You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of this podcast that <laughs> for a second, I, f- I forgot for for a nanosecond, I forgot the title of this podcast that I, you know, named myself. And also half of the title is my own name. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sobriety with me, your friend, Ari Eastman. Do you think at some point I should rebrand back to my full name, which is Ariel? Like at what age do you think I hit that I that I just suddenly start telling people my name is Ariel? Maybe like when I'm 50? Does that sound good? Like when I'm 50, I'm just going to start being like, hi, I'm Ariel. I don't know. What do you think? Or should I just stick with Ari forever? It's like, you know, Ariel, I love my full name. Don't get me wrong. Like I think my parents gave me a beautiful name. The only issue I ever have had in my lifetime is just that people mispronounce it as Ariel, which is also a beautiful name. But, you know, I'm not the Little Mermaid, okay? And I'm tired of the comparisons. Sure, we both sold our voices for the love of a man and, you know, We've got really, we've got nice hips, me and Ariel, but that's where the similarities end. Let me know in the comments below if you think I should start going by Ariel when I turn 50. Um, like, rate, subscribe, review, five stars on Apple Podcast. Um, any hoosers, today, you know, today was a normal day, like nothing remarkable to report. And I think, I think a nice thing about both getting older And also something that I have had to make peace with and also learn to be comfortable with and just coexist with in sobriety in my recovery has been boredom. And I do think that it's like boredom when you're a kid, it's so gnarly. I mean, you're bugging your parents or your siblings or whoever. You're just like, I'm bored. And it it felt like one of the worst fates (laughs) when you're a child to just be bored, right? Like you just, to be bored, which I think is normal and you experience it as a kid and I'm sure it, I'm sure there's, I'm sure it it relates to like maybe growth in some way of learning to entertain yourself or the passage of time or I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a child, early childhood development major. It is really rough when you're a kid and you feel bored. Like, it feels fucking terrible. And now I I think about boredom and the ways in which I used to, I think, maybe use boredom like that was when I would be destructive in my drinking. Because I think when you get older, boredom kind of transitions more into loneliness. I wouldn't say I feel bored. I might feel impatient sometimes or I feel lonely sometimes. Boredom isn't really a word I feel like in my vocabulary anymore or it's just not a feeling that I reflect on and and I'm like oh this is what I'm experiencing right now it's I think probably the root of it is the same thing when you're a kid and you're like oh what do I do right now how do I entertain myself and but now it feels more like it's loneliness and I think especially as someone who is not partnered up um, I've been purposefully you know and honestly happily single for a quite a for a couple of years now and you know I don't live in the same town as my family and there's just sort of a lot of ways in which uh, I'm kind of siloed away from other people and a lot of us are right I think even in American culture and society it's 
we we don't we don't like live in community as much which i think is actually i do think is i do think it's a failing of um uh like the nuclear family in some ways in american culture and society and i don't know like maybe like western in general but speaking specifically maybe with like you know all i can speak on is what i've experienced which is you know american society and culture this idea that like you start your nuclear family and then at some point you know the kid grows up and starts their own nuclear family and it there's a there there becomes these disconnects and it's like okay so if you are someone who do, doesn't have kids and you're not partnered up and you're kind of you're doing your own thing independently but you're an adult so you're not you know maybe you're you're living on your own or you're doing your own thing where's your community and you know you know what i mean like if you haven't gone off if you're in adulthood and you haven't gone off and created your own nuclear family then what is your community i'm i am an introverted person i like a lot of alone time i like a lot of solo recharge time so i do feel like i would have a really hard time like i'm not don't get it twisted i'm not advocating i'm not like oh i wish i could go live on like a commune and be around a bunch of people and sort of like we all take turns and we all do things like I don't want that either. <laughs> so I guess I'm saying I don't know what I want because when I would have to go to camp, like in fifth grade, we would do like a school camp thing. Like I didn't like it. I don't, I didn't like being in the, you know, bunking with a bunch of other people, having people, you know, oh, there's eight of us in a cabin. I didn't like that. So, you know what? I'm backtracking on everything I just said. I, you know what? I, I I'm good. I'm all good. <laughs> I never experienced loneliness. I'm good. I'm good. I do think that the antidote to loneliness in many ways, it's yes, it is community. Community is so important. It is how we recover, how people get sober. And as I've said, that doesn't only just come through a 12-step program that comes through so many ways, right? Listening to a podcast is community, You know, you are listening to another person. You are relating to them. Even if you're not having a back and forth, like that's community. We need to hear other people. We need to be, you know, seen by other people and understood. And, you know, community is extremely important and nobody gets sober alone. We get sober in community. But another tool to combat loneliness or to at least, I think, learn to keep it at bay and to navigate through it is the buzzword of all buzzy words baby buzz 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 is that jerry seinfeld from a b movie i'm gonna kill him i don't care if he's a b he's still my arch enemy that word my friends is self-care and self-care really it's uh it's something that has become i think reduced in a lot of ways to like oh candles and baths and you know you know go ahead and buy that cute outfit and those those things all totally exist within people's self-care routines but uh, self-care as defined by the world health organization the who if you will self-care is the ability of individuals families and communities to promote health prevent disease maintain health, and to cope with illness and disability with or without the support of a healthcare provider. Damn, that's kind of bleak. 
Only in America, baby. <laughs> oh, self-care. Oh, you got that illness? Well, fig- you can figure it out. You can figure it out without a doctor since, you know, <laughs> you may or may not be able to afford one. Figure it out, babe. <laughs> That's the true meaning of self-care. You thought self-care was a bubble bath? No, self-care is, you know, diagnosing and prescribing yourself your own medications. <laughs> With or without a doctor. Now, the concept of self-care has sort of extended out to include things like emotional self-care, physical self-care, like we kind of just talked about, and spiritual self-care, whatever that means to you. And then there is also the thought process that there are sort of two ways you can define self-care. Self-care can be temporary, like going out to dinner with your friend right? That's something that's going to make you feel good. It's going to give you a boost. It's nice to socialize, to uh, build and, and work on a relationship, strengthen connections. I don't know. I mean, you know, things like take a bubble bath, go to the movies, these things that are, you know, like a one-time event, like you could do it more. I mean, you could replicate it and do it repeatedly during your life, but a one-time thing that you're doing that makes you feel good, that's a temporary form of self-care but the feelings of that are not necessarily going to sustain you the rest of your life if you have one dinner with a friend and it's fun that's still not gonna like be enough to you know that that you can't hold on to the crumb of that for the rest of your life so then we have enduring self-care and you know those are things that we do for maintenance in many ways right like brushing our teeth so we don't get so our teeth don't fall out or whatever or whatever the reason is we brush our teeth gingivitis i don't know or or you know practicing good nutrition sleeping every night like you know these these in these things that we do consistently throughout our lifetime to stay healthy and to you know feel better and to take care of ourselves hence the self-care and there's you know different abilities we all have to even take care of ourselves and that's you know reliant on a lot of things like our physical health and um and mental health too right there's just there everybody has different limitations even i mean i i I was thinking i was thinking recently about how this sort of suggestion right of go for a walk that's like a simple thing that almost everybody says is like get out of your head clear your head go for a walk and yeah, is it true that it helps me when I've gone for a walk? Absolutely. But even something like that, like there are there are reasons maybe people can't go for a walk. Maybe somebody physically able like they're not as they're not able to go for a walk. Maybe they have um arthritis and it will physically, you know, cause them pain to do it. Maybe they don't have use of their legs. Maybe Maybe walking around the neighborhood or wherever, like, you know, maybe they had a trauma, right? And they have PTSD if they go for a walk by themselves. Like, we all have different levels that we're on with the things that we're capable of doing, the things that will even help us, you know, and are like the basics that we all know. And sometimes it almost feels patronizing for people to tell you them. But then at the same time, like... On the other end, right, I have days where I've been like, oh, I feel like shit. Oh, I don't I don't feel good. And then I finally get my ass out and I go to the gym and I do it for, you know, I do it consistently for a couple weeks. And then I'm like, wow, my mental health has really improved. These motherfuckers knew what they were talking about. 
I find overall the thing that helps me mitigate loneliness the most is truly practicing and like really putting in place my self-care and my self-care includes you know all of those basic things like trying to sleep that's the thing I struggle with the most I just have such fucked up sleep I I have I mean I have a lot of weird stuff that's been going on like with my anxiety at, at night and sleep and just whatever weird stuff that I need to work on and so sleep is a really hard one for me but you know okay trying to eat you know and and eat things that make me feel good because also different foods affect us in different ways you know what I mean like Broccoli makes me freaking like shit my pants. You know what I mean? Like I eat broccoli and I feel like I'm going to die. So it doesn't matter if people tell me broccoli is good for me. It doesn't feel good in my body. So I'm not going to fucking eat it. Even though I actually think broccoli is delicious. And it really actually makes me sad that it makes me look like I bloat to the I, I bloat and suddenly look like I'm nine months pregnant within the span of 15 minutes, which is not good, you know? You know, other things that I do. Yeah, it's I, I reach out to people, right? I try to... Um, have some social interaction, even if it's not actually seeing someone, right? Having a phone call with my friend, um, creating things, doing stuff that I like. Uh, there was an interesting study. I think it was, let me see, it was in, it was a 2019 study um, in published in JAMA Network Open that basically said, it, the, the thesis of it was that having a strong life purpose was associated with decreased mortality rates. So people who feel like they had a purpose, especially older people, they lived longer. And that's that I found that really both like meaningful but also kind of scary because sometimes I'm like what is my purpose? Like if I never have kids, if I never raise a family, I think that inherently gives you a really strong purpose. But if I don't do that, And like, you know, when I was a child, I thought my purpose was like, oh, I'm going to win like Academy Awards and I'm going to be like famous and have like a talk show and stuff. And like, I mean, that's kind of a that also feels like a sort of um, fleeting purpose to have. But, you know, I mean, in that it would be the purpose would be to like, I don't know, connect and entertain people. But it's like, okay, so if I don't have a specific purpose, that's scary, right? Like. So that's something I've been thinking about, too, that I want to incorporate that as part of my self-care is like finding a mini purpose every day. And some days when I don't feel great, like that mini purpose is so it's basic. Like it's like, oh, take care of my cat and make my cat happy. <laughs> like, and, and that's not a euphemism. I am actually talking about my cat Cordelia. But I think when I put those things into practice and I am more successful at it and you know sometimes you try and you're not always successful at it but the more intentional I am about taking care of myself and being good to myself also because because I want to I think it's easy to like get into that self-destructive place when you don't feel like you're worth it and that was my big problem once addiction kind of took over because I had good self-esteem until I fell into the spiral of addiction. Once I was in active addiction, then my self-esteem just plummeted. And then it was just this like wrestling with this demon that, you know, you because you can't because you feel like you can't fight it off. You start to think that you're just inherently bad and you're shitty and um 
And so having gained back my self-esteem in recovery, um, it's important to me to practice these different, you know, ways of self-care and and to do both the short-term ones, temporary ones, and also to have enduring self-care when I can. And I think, yeah, that helps. It really does. It helps with the loneliness. Like even on days where, you know, I'm not doing anything and maybe I get the little pang of, you know, loneliness or boredom, if you will. If I've put in the steps, like I have, I've put in the steps with my self-care to like navigate through it right what was the thing instead it was like to to deal with your illnesses with or without a doctor I have put in the steps to deal with feeling you know a temporary tinge of loneliness because I am a doctor and I've prescribed to myself uh, a sparkling water a liquid death shout out when will liquid death sponsor me I don't know but anyway, well, that's about all I got for you today, kiddos. Um, love you so much. And with that, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye.